I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty introspective, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? thinking about our podcast today and we have a really exciting guest who has actually his own new podcast where he sort of talks about gossip with his guests but not like celebrity gossip more like kind of local gossip from their lives and this seems so aligned with us because Jonah you and I really love to like really dig deep into what's going on with like people we grew up with and stuff I know we each have kind of main sources. Yours is Mikey Daniels. Mine is Andy Green. But Jonah, do you want to talk about a little bit of the dish you've gotten on some of your high school friends? I do. Honestly, (laughs) you're much better about keeping in touch with actual people from high school. Right. You know, I'm not on Facebook. So it's like I kind of just glean stuff from Mikey, basically. Right. And I found that a lot of people from my class, at least, are very successful in, I don't want to say gambling. Right. But I want to say maybe like gambling adjacent, like poker sports betting, a lot of people from my class making money in that world. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate a little? I feel like there's a real online poker star from your year, right? Yeah. So our friend Jeremy, I looked up his earnings and I believe over $2 million. This guy from my class has made $2 million. And this is all public. This is all public info. You can look apparently professional poker players, you can look up how much money they made in tournaments. So yeah, over $2 million, I think. And I just want to say out of respect for his privacy, sure. not because he would be embarrassed by it, but just to kind of protect him. We don't want people going after him now that they know he's a multimillionaire. He did have a sister in my grade named Ashley. I just want it so people know. So you don't want people going after him. So you want to add like more details about his life. No, I'm saying I don't want to give his last name. So someone from in like, you know, Nebraska is like, oh, I got to go after this guy. I would love to think that every Everyone who listens to our podcast is pure of, you know, but some people have ulterior motives. It's kind of a secret (laughs) language. We're speaking with people from our high school. Go ahead. Okay. It's a little confusing because you're saying (laughs) now people won't go after him because they know his sister's name. Yeah. People from our high school, I'm saying won't go after him, but now they know who he is. Okay. Got it. Whereas I'm saying people in the real world are going to go, ooh, someone I can take money from. (laughs) Jonah, I know you're my older brother, but I need to teach you. Not everybody is as pure of as you think. Yeah. And then I found someone else from our high school who, yeah, named Zach doing sports betting. It's like, it's almost like buying futures of stocks uh-huh. in sport. It's too complicated for me to understand, but it seems like he's doing very well with this. And I'm just wondering like what class I missed 
in high school where we learned how to do this kind of stuff because I don't remember anything like this. Now, I feel like our friend Zach, he has a catchphrase too. Is that right, Jonah? He does have a catchphrase and it's trademarked. It's in his Twitter bio and it's, it's just math, dude. It's just math, dude. Very cool. So I think that's his attitude towards betting. And listen, if you can figure out the numbers, you know, it's statistics. I think it's stuff, again, I don't really understand, but I find it fascinating. Now, Jonah, another person you went to high school with, it seems like has a wine company that you won't <laughs> that you won't stop texting me about. Yeah, so, so that's not totally true. But yeah, just for the listeners out there and, and for our guests, Vanessa is, you know, making the show for Showtime is incredibly busy, probably the busiest she's ever been in her life. And I still feel the need to, to send her a text and be like, you remember this guy? Like, yeah, he's this wine bar. Like, he has this wine called... So, yeah, I have to give her kind of updates on it. Yeah, I'm loving hearing them. Like, remember this this guy you vaguely remember from 20 years ago? Well, I looked him up. Here's what he's doing. I will say, though, a lot of people from our high school are professors or doctors. A lot of them are very successful, which I find actually pretty boring to look at. And that's, to me, like one of my friends from growing up, Sasha Ross is a dentist now. To be quite frank, she's a periodontist and she cleans our parents' teeth and does periodontal work on them. I've also gone to her office to get my teeth cleaned. And Me too. Yeah, you have too. And a lot of times when we go there, the hygienist will be like, Dr. Ross will see you now. And I'm like, you mean Sasha? And it's so cool because I'm just like, okay, like this is you know what I mean? It's just like so interesting. So I think we've grew up with a great mix of people who are either really successful in health industries or gambling. Yeah, I find it fascinating. Just the idea of like not seeing someone since you're 18 and then being able to just kind of like be like, oh, this person has this whole life and they're doing this kind of like thing I never would have expected. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's cool. And I'm, I'm really I want to make make it clear. I'm not like making fun of anyone. Like I do think it's cool. And I think if you can figure out a way to make money in a non-traditional way. I got a lot of respect for you. But if you want to be a doctor or something, you know, whatever, that's that's fine. Right. Okay. Okay, Jonah. <laughs> Words to live by, by Jonah. Okay. So I think we should introduce our guest today. He's an actor. He's a stand-up comic. He's a television writer. You may know him from his appearances on Conan, Drunk History, The Meltdown with Jonah and Kumail, Viceland's Flophouse, Last Called Carson Daly, Two Dope Queens. He's also written for Shrill, Dollface, High Fidelity, Crashing. The credits going on, SpongeBob SquarePants. And he has a new podcast called The Juice, which just debuted. Please welcome our incredible guest today, Solomon Giorgio. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I was, yeah, it was relating very hard to um, most of, not much of it. Everyone in my school <laughs> went to like really good colleges and got insanely, became like whatever traditional career. So I stopped paying attention to them. Really? Really? Yeah. So are you kind of the only one who sort of went in an artistic direction? Yeah, I was. I feel like a lot of them are doctors and whatnot. That's why I'm like, enjoy your life. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never see you again. <laughs> right, I get it. Salman, where did you grow up? I grew up mostly in Seattle. I moved there in the mid-90s, right when Kurt Cobain passed away and I got introduced wow. to the concept of sad white people for the first <laughs> time. <laughs> Couldn't relate before. Like, early 90s was a great time, but after that, it was rough. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, that is such like a legendary era and location for music. Were you into that at the time or not really? Not at the time. I eventually got used okay. to it because, you know, you're um, inundated with it. Sure. <laughs> like, by the fifth time you go to the coffee shop and they're blasting Nirvana, you're like, I guess I like this song. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. How old were you when you moved to Seattle? Um, I was about like 12 turning 13. Okay. And I moved from Fresno, California, which is a terrible city that no one should go to. Okay, got it. So I was very excited to go to Seattle. Yeah. I was saying like, I don't really keep in touch with a lot of people from high school. Vanessa, I feel like does. What about you? I only really kept in touch with one person because as we were both like secretly gay in high school, like I didn't see her for like three years. And then I show up to a gay club at 21 and we're like, you, you, (laughs) we should have figured it out. You still keep in touch and you're still... She's only she's the only one that I still keep in contact with. She's a manager of a grocery store in Seattle, Washington. She's a great person. <laughs> nice. Do you go back there very often? Uh, yeah, my family's still up there. So I have to go there like three times a year. And do you go to the Cholula Museum? I have. Um, I've only <laughs> I've been once, uh, but he's he's a he's just known for being a crazy person. Oh, yeah. He's like a really mean person, like <laughs> like very like one of those like. If you make it wrong, I'll break glass over your head kind of individuals. I'm sure he's not like that ruthless, but he's like terrifying. And most people don't like him. 
We did a family trip there and we went to the Chiluli Museum. And I'm so glad I didn't know that when I was looking at all that art. The work that he does is so intricate and mm-hmm. could like drive someone insane. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's a, it is. It will make a person crazy. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it has. He's known as the anti-Bob Ross because he also has an afro. And I think he has an eye patch as well. I think he has an eye patch too. I think you're correct. Yeah, we took a family trip. We went there and we went to the, I don't know if it's still called this. It was like the Experience Music. Oh, the EMP. Yes. EMP. Yeah, I went there when it was called something else. A long time ago, it was called something else. But there was like a Seattle music exhibit. Yes. There was something on like horror movies. Like I thought that was actually a pretty cool museum. It was a really cool museum. Yeah. It looks like a guitar when you look down at it from the Space Needle. Yes, that's right. That's right. Oh, I don't, didn't remember that. That's cool. Yeah, it looks like this really big, funky guitar. Yeah, that was a really cool museum. There was a lot of, as you might have guessed, Nirvana stuff in there. They like him there a lot. It was always weird for me because I was also a Courtney Love fan and that whole city hates her. And I'm really? like, you guys can't turn me away from her. Like at her worst, she's a rock star. At her best, she's an Oscar nominated actress. So I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what Frances Bean is up to. I bet most people know. (laughs) You don't know. Probably just chilling now. She probably has a career. She's an adult now. Right. She has like ownership of the music, right? Isn't that her? Am I making all of this up, Jonah? Do you know or Solomon? Well, Solomon, I believe, is the executor of the estate. So (laughs) actually, as I am, as the executor of Kurt Cobain's estate for the last 15 years, I can tell you exactly where Frances Bean is at at all times. (laughs) Well, I'd like to bid on a song. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, I do. I do, I do relate to the gambling thing. I do have a friend who made a million dollars at the Cortez on the Big Bang Theory slot machine with his last twenty dollars. Whoa! Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> He's leaving Vegas. Last twenty bucks. <gasps> thought nothing would happen. And he just got a million dollars. What did he do with it? He spent it all because a million dollars is not as much money as I know and once taxes are taken out and everything yeah but yeah he's he's doing well he lives a very untraditional life so it's I'm proud of him when you said his last $20 you meant the last $20 he brought to Vegas not his last $20 of his name it might have been both okay okay <laughs> but he's doing fine now yes and he still gambles like he's still committed to that as well Solomon have you ever been into gambling in any way or not really your thing I love it too much yeah. and I'm not okay. allowed to do it because I do it recklessly and <laughs> I will sit down at a Britney Spears slot machine and just put in so much money. And if I start winning, I start betting more and then I start losing it all <laughs> immediately. I ran away to LA when I was 17 and I <laughs> I went to the bank with my mom, with a note from my mom's checkbook. And I also like I had a whole scheme and like talked my way into getting $850 out of my mom's account. No way. Wow. So, yeah, that was the beginning of um, White Collar Crime Solomon that never flourished. <laughs> when you did this, like, did you feel nervous or did you try to just be super confident or what was your mindset? Yeah, I was. it was like, you have to have unshakable confidence, which I like don't yep. have anymore. It was just at yeah. that very specific moment, I knew that I was able to do this job. And when they gave me the money, like you have to like, you have to remain calm the whole time. Yeah. So this was when you moved to LA? No, this was like when I was 17 oh, you were when 17. I ran away to LA. Okay. Yeah, I, I uh, moved here officially when I was about to turn 30. How long did you stay in LA and what is was your mom's reaction when she- They were actually very happy. I managed to stay here for five months. I stayed in a hostel around the corner from the Chinese theater. It was the summer of 99. So same year that episode one, Star Wars came out. So I would always like hang out in the line. <laughs> <laughs> with the people waiting to watch it two months ahead of time. Wow. And then I ended up in a shelter for ex-sex workers under the age of 18 for a couple of months. And then I went back home. Wow. I wasn't a sex worker, but they were like, you're clearly a closeted homosexual. You can be around these young girls. <laughs> wow. What an incredible story. <laughs> 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 it's not a grifter. I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I left, but I didn't yet. I didn't get run out of town. But to your point, like the way that you got that money and you got out there, like there is this like level of confidence that I, there were things I did when I was younger too, that I'm like, how did I ever pull that off? But like, I guess the definition of a con artist is like, they hold on to that confidence through their entire life and they don't get super stressed out every time they do something they think might be bad like I do. Self-awareness is like the poison of a con artist. Like you cannot have any of it. Yes. Yeah, we just watched the Anna Delvey thing. Did you you watch that? The Inventing Anna? I haven't seen it. No. Oh my gosh. It's just like just making stuff up and really believing it and getting everyone else to believe it. And I feel like for me, it's hard to even like believe the stuff 
that's true about me. Be like, what do you do? Like, oh, I do a podcast and I'm like, uh, do I really do this? I don't know. I guess I do. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I say my name with a question mark. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Who are you? Exactly. Solomon? I think. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who can do that. I don't think I have that ability, but wow. And I say props to those people as long as they're not hurting anyone, unless, as Jonah would say, they're hurting some of these CEOs that Jonah loves to go after. Yeah, so hopefully later in the podcast, we can get into roasting some CEOs for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was like, I was like, I was going to protect them for a second. I'm like, hey, guys, come on. That's not. Yeah. They've had they've had a hard life. <laughs> well, we try to be nice to everybody, except for we could bring this up later. But we had a recent episode where we I would say we're pretty critical of the film. There's something about Mary and we got about three tweets from all guys who were pretty upset about it. Yeah. Just want to underline again, it was all guys who were critical of it. Yeah. Critical of our criticism of the film. Maybe we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like they said some nasty things. Well, what's interesting is that none of them were that bad. Uh, yeah. But one was like very complimentary. It was like, I don't agree with this but I'm going to continue listening to your great podcast. And I was, <laughs> like, was very sweet. Yeah, I was like, wow, I really respect that. Like that guy was like, I got to speak up, but I also don't want it to be too mean. And so felt like that was nice. Which honestly, that's constructive criticism. And we'll take that every day. I mean, yeah, but some people were like really mad that we went after. I, we didn't go after it. We just like, we were critical of there's something about Mary. And I guess at the end of the day, like feel free to uh, tell us whatever you want, but also <laughs> you don't have to listen to our podcast, you weirdo. <laughs> I just want to say that now, since we've talked for a few minutes and I consider you guys my best friends, um, <laughs> yes. if anybody's coming for you again, they'll have to go to, through me first. Thank you, you Solomon. That? You hear that? It's at Solomon Giorgio. You can come right at me. <laughs> Solomon, so you just started doing a podcast. Are you yeah. Are you prepared for sort of some of the, the criticism coming at you via Twitter from, from people who are yeah. very angry? I'm excited for it. You're excited for it? Anyone who's discontent about anything I say, I'm I welcome them into the world and I yeah. want to embrace them and let them know they'll never get to me. Yes. Because I'll have somebody else answering the uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got the right attitude. I, I also just want to say again, like it is so funny when people are so critical of podcasts because it's like it's so easy to not listen to a podcast. Like, it's not like you're like, oh, well, I, I really want to listen to a podcast, but this is the only one available. It's like, uh, <laughs> not only do you, you have to actively turn it on, but you've got like thousands and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other options. So <laughs> I, what I want people to do is if they, they don't like something in my podcast, I want them to start a podcast against my podcast. Right, 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 right. So that way it's like, make the fight fair. You have your own format and, and choose to take me down yeah, that way. Yeah. You know, a really great business model would be to like make that podcast that goes against your podcast and then they kind of keep amping each other up. Yeah. And it's probably just me on the hosting the other one just with a mustache. Yeah. And an even bigger mustache. <laughs> like a bigger mustache. OK. And on this incredible business idea, we're going to go to our first commercial break, but we'll be right back with Solomon Giorgio. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. And we're back. So, Solomon, you came in today with an incredible topic. Your topic is squeeze-its. Yes. Vanessa and I have done a ton of research on squeeze-its. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how much research you've done, but just for our audience, squeeze-its was a fruit-flavored juice made by General Mills, whose CEO I actually have had a lot of problems with over the last few <laughs> months. You have. You have. Yeah. So, we can get into that. You know what? This one is rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yeah. They've taken a lot of stuff off the shelves that should not have been taken uh, off. Yeah. Yep. On top of being bad business uh, practices to their employees. You can thank Jeff Hammerling for that one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this is a juice marketed from 1985 to the middle of 2001. It also appeared sporadically 06, 07. Came in a plastic bottle that you would squeeze, hence the name. According to Wikipedia, they use that phrase, hence the name. I don't use the word hence. Came in different colors and they had characters, Chucklin' Cherry, Berry Be Wild, Grumpy Grape, Silly Billy Strawberry. To name a few. To name a few. And yes. Salman, what, what are your memories of Squeeze It? First of all, they all had a face on them. Yes. Yes. They had their own personalities, which is always fun for me. We got it in a Costco variety pack, <gasps> which is what I love the most. And we were only allowed to have it so many times because my mom, my parents had, well, six kids at the time, seven all together. And that much sugar <laughs> in yeah. any of our bodies was pure chaos. But it was like, it was a liquid Jolly Rancher. Yes. Yeah. Essentially was what it was. Like, I could not imagine drinking anything with that much sugar right now. But at that time, it was all I lived for. <laughs> I think something felt really elegant about drinking out of a mm -hmm. bottle too, even though it was plastic. And I really honestly did not notice the faces on the bottles. Like I didn't really remember the faces on the bottles. But then we were rewatching some of the commercials and the commercials are pretty violent towards the squeeze it <laughs> characters. Do we want to play they one are. really quickly and watch it and kind of see, yes. just bring us all back, just a random squeeze it commercial. Okay, so there's like a package of squeeze it's. These kids are reaching in and all of a sudden like, the squeezes are like trying to get away from them. <laughs> One just got rolled over by a can. They're like really feel like oh they're in gosh. agony when they're being squeezed and drunk by the kids. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I, I love the violent uh, kids commercial where like the, the product itself is being tortured. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I feel like, yeah, the squeeze really got tortured. I always felt bad for the tricks rabbit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that was so rude. Like I remember watching that commercial and actively just being like, let the rabbit just have the, the trick. Oh, I was just in there like there's an anthropomorphic fucking bunny right there. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that not the issue at hand? Why are you so mad about getting your cereal back? Yeah. Maybe if you dumb kids paid a little bit of attention, you'd like look more into this rabbit that's talking to you as opposed to being like, yeah. oh, I need cereal. <laughs> yeah. I want the lore behind the tricks rabbit. Yeah. What's going on? Why are you in my world and want my cereal? But I just hate when they're when cartoon characters keep getting shit on. It's so rude. Yeah, I feel like that's like the M&M's. You see them getting, getting eaten every yeah. once in a while. You're like, this is just a real... M&M's is a real conundrum. I feel like they are really <laughs> skirting a line between the M&M's like being characters who are lovable and also them kind of being like, oh, I'm going to be like eaten and cannibalized by yeah. these people. Like, it's a problem. Yeah, I feel like, they, especially when they say like people got mad that the green one was going to be less curvaceous. And you're like, well, let's relax, everyone. It is still a candy. We, gotta, we can't have discourse about mascots yeah. for candy. I think for me, especially since it was the squeezing aspect of it's perfect because it's very much like a Capri Sun, but you get to throw everything. You don't have to stab it with a straw. Yes. Which is already a win. Yeah. <laughs> so I got some more info on like why they were canceled. They're saying one of the reasons was that... This is interesting. It was tough to squeeze them into lunch boxes. Yeah. Due to the size of them. Maybe they were a little too... Salman doesn't look like you're buying this. He looks skeptical. Well, no, I, ble I believe it's true, but I also think that as a company, they should just made it smaller. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But isn't that interesting? Well, especially the CEO loves cutting corners yeah. General Mills, yeah. so I'm surprised he wouldn't try to <laughs> yeah. jack up the price and make it smaller. Pay for a little less plastic per bottle. But I did find that interesting that it said that like they didn't fit into lunch boxes. Like that's true. It's like, think about where this is going. Now, I will say our mom generally packed our lunch and I know that this is probably not environmentally. We generally got our lunches in a brown paper bag. So a squeeze it would fit into that. Although honestly, you can't fold it down that much with a squeeze it in there. No. And and I'll say this about about lunch drinks. Capri Sun. Yeah, Jonah, tell us, tell us. Always put the straw through both sides. <sighs> Cause a leak. It's too hard for me to get through one. And those milk cartons at school, I can never figure out how to open. And one out of every five is when you get a clean open. Yeah, yeah. But then most of the time now they don't have now every milk you get has a little the little knob, right? They don't, that's yeah. not... It is strange, isn't it? That those knobs are just... I mean, those knobs are a good idea too because if you think about it, when we used to open milk cartons just with the paper top of them, then when you'd close them, they didn't really seal. Like the design is kind of flawed. So having those little plastic tops is... God, it's kind of blowing my mind right now. I didn't really think about that, but... Um, yeah, you didn't realize there was a whole societal shift that happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, technology changed in many ways. Yeah. And I think it's also changed with drinks. Like, I'm drinking this can. I think the tabs were smaller when we were kids. Like, I don't think you had these bigger... Yeah, for sure. ...sized tabs, yeah. right? They don't lay f- as flat as they were when we were younger. Yeah, but I think they were, they were, they were smaller and thinner. So they were for sure there to break your nail. Yes. <laughs> that was their only goal. It was hard to get them open. It was tough. Yeah, it was genuinely, yeah, a tough thing to do. Now, the other thing that I can't tell if I really dislike or if I'm really into is that water that comes in a carton. Yeah, it just doesn't, water, yeah, the paper carton water is just, uh, the vibe isn't correct. Like glass makes sense, but. Yeah. Yeah. Something about that boxed water seems so fancy to me though. I feel like any kind of water bottle that seems fancy and like this water tastes better, which is, I guess, the whole idea behind marketing. (laughs) But like, I feel like that boxed water, I'm always like, I can't tell if I'm like, ew, like this feels like I'm drinking like, water out of something that had milk in it or if I'm like I'm the richest lady in town (laughs) I feel yeah I'm I'm on the side of it sounds like this probably had milk in it or at least my palate is prepared for milk it never thinks water totally I think that's the issue with it but Squeeze-Its look I would have never needed the characters on Squeeze-Its I never noticed them when I was drinking them but I think the idea that you had a plastic bottle. You didn't have to worry about it breaking, but it seemed kind of adult because you were drinking out of a bottle and it had that little tab at the top that you break. So you don't have to put a straw through like you guys were talking about, like Jonah, you were saying with Capri Sun. It's a pretty genius idea. And I think if they had made it a little smaller, you know what? I don't want to give my ideas to the CEO. He's making enough money. I would have been very upset if they took the faces off instead of just taking the product off the shelf altogether. That would have been, I would have been at the store protesting. Wow. And like really just riding up and down the aisle all day because yeah. I need Chuck Cherry's face. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a favorite character? It was Chuck Cherry and Silly Billy Strawberry. Yeah. yeah. So you knew their names? Yeah. Did it say their names on the package? Usually like, like it lists them off in the back of everything. So it lets you know. But also there's like a lot of commercials. So I've got to see them get tortured many times. So let's say you get the squeeze at home. It's you and your siblings. Are you fighting over Chuck Cherry? Are yes. You- yes. Okay. Oh, we were venomous. When there's that many kids... You fight for everything. Yeah. I think I threw a book once at my brother for, t- <laughs> <laughs> for taking one of the last squeezes. Oh, man. I was only the fourth grade, so it wasn't a heavy book. <laughs> well, I don't blame you for acting like a grumpy grave. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Vanessa, were you saving that one? <laughs> I feel like I would have been more of a mean green puncher. Oh, yeah. So it looks like they got discontinued in 2006. They came back in 2006 and were discontinued in 2007 and... Many squeeze of fans want it back. There's an online petition, which is going to really tie into our next segment with 6,000 signatures. Solomon, would you sign that petition to bring back squeeze? 5,999 of those signatures are mine. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. It. Wow. Yeah. Making up names on the spot is really easy for me. So I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Wow. Oh, and I also happily fake a bunch of names. Most of those people are probably not alive. Yeah. I don't know what the vetting is like on these online signatures. I feel like you could probably make up a lot of it, you know? Yeah. I think so. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to really dive more into these online signatures and petitions. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. All right. And we're back with Solomon Giorgio. And so we are now going to do this segment that's become incredibly popular. You've probably read about it somewhere, seen it, heard people talking about it. It's called Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. Otherwise known as let's make fun of people who don't know how to use Change.Org. <laughs> and so for those of you who are not familiar with Change.Org, it's a site that's intended for social change. But if you search through the site, you can find a lot of very strange petitions that are related to very weird topics. And so we're going to pick three different things that we found on Change.org, three different petitions. And then at the end of this, we're going to all pick the one petition we would support. So Vanessa, do you want to introduce the first Change.org petition we found? Yeah. So this first one is called Bigger Lunchables for Adults. So it kind of ties into the lunch food topic that we're talking about. Now, there are a lot of petitions actually for this. Yeah. So there were so many petitions for Lunchables for Adults that I actually (laughs) had to find like the one that was like the easiest to explain. There were many different ones. Again, this is a website where you're supposed to do petitions for like social change and stuff. And again, bigger Lunchables for adults. Jonah, I don't know how many signatures this specific one has, but again, there's multiple petitions. This has eight signatures. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. They're trying yeah. to get to 100. Yeah. Okay. I just want to read this. This person <laughs> wrote, for starters, we all know Lunchables are amazing. Who can deny that? I'm starting this petition because I'm tired of sitting back and pretending that this is just a kid snack when it's really not. <laughs> How many times have you bought Lunchables for your kids and find yourself eating some yourself? Whether you eat the whole package or take advantage of mom slash dad tax and eat one for the opening of the package. Okay, this this parent has learned the tax thing from our dad. Our dad used to tell us <laughs> when we would go to restaurants that he was taking taxes and he eats some of food. Okay, that's just the beginning. College students love them as well. It's a quick and cheap snack that you can easily keep in your dorm. Making adult versions of this amazing snack would help college students out by giving them a quick snack on the spot. 
They have to keep their stomachs full and their brain functional. <laughs> you ever try focusing on a test hungry? You can't. Eat a Lunchable real quick and face that test. It doesn't stop there. And they spelled there T-H-E-I-R. Okay. And, and speaking of doesn't stop there, this paragraph doesn't stop there. <laughs> I mean, that is not even half of it, but I feel like it would take the whole podcast to read this whole thing. I feel like there's such a simple solution to this problem, which is <laughs> eat a second Lunchable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, I have to say, Jonah commented, Jonah, do you want to give your joke that you wrote at the well, bottom? I have some notes. I mean, this person says for college students, they have to keep their stomachs full and their brains functional with the Lunchables. I said there's so many typos in this. Maybe this person's brain isn't functional from all the sodium. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have to say this person is acting like Lunchables are like brain food. And I wouldn't necessarily say that just like a little pile of salami and like really salty <laughs> cheese and crackers is like, look, did I get Lunchables sometimes for lunch when I was growing up and freaking love them? Yeah. Yes. Did I not really yeah. appreciate them as much as I would today? Yes. But I just think that like, it's a tough sell. And also to your point, Solomon, yeah, just eat two of them. It's like those little like crackers that you dip in cheese. Like you don't ask for like an adult (laughs) version. You just eat more than one. Or you can literally (laughs) just buy crackers, salami and cheese. (laughs) It's really. Yeah, I think the adult version is cooking, you weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Solomon, what do you think would happen? Like, let's say you're walking into the writer's room. Mm You pull out your little Lunchable, you're sitting there, you're riffing, you're sending out ideas. What do you think you're going to get roasted for for making like a bologna sandwich <laughs> the size of like a three inches big? No, because I know writers and we all are terrible uh, eaters. So everyone would be like, did okay. you bring Lunchables for everyone here? For everybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you would get yeah. roasted for not bringing enough with you. Got it. Well, it sounds like none of us are fully convinced on this petition, but let's listen to the other two petitions we have and decide. Maybe we will end up voting for this one. Now, this second one, Jonah, you have kind of a personal connection to. (laughs) (laughs) Weirdly, I do have a personal connection to this. It's going to be even weirder when you hear the name of it. It is Get Chuck Norris to Punch Martin Shkreli in the Face. (laughs) This is an actual petition on change.org. The photo is Chuck Norris is like with, I think, from Walker, Texas Ranger with his fist, a really big fist. And this was started by someone named Ralph Kay. And it's to Martin Shkreli, you can choose who you want to direct it towards. And it says, Martin Shkreli is an absolute turd of a human being. And recently he said, whoever offers him the most money gets to punch him in the face. Why have some random person punch him in the face when we can hopefully get Chuck Norris to punch him in the face? So this petition is closed. It had 11 supporters. It was started six years ago. Yeah, I actually weirdly had two in-person interactions with Martin Shkreli. Does everyone know who Martin Shkreli is? Do you want to just say really quickly? So he was this, yeah, this pharmaceutical guy who raised the price of this drug. I mean, I think people know who he is. I mean, yeah. I think it was a pretty, it was all over the news. He's like a young villain. Yeah, he's, it was for diabetes, wasn't it? I can't remember. It was a very common thing. Like, it was something that was like necessary. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, $5 and you raised it to like $200 a pill or something like that. Yeah. So anyways, this guy was actually like a very big fan of like the kind of music scene that I'm, I'm into. Hardcore punk. Hardcore punk kind of music. He was a big fan. I met him once at a concert. I believe he was trying to sign a band. Some of the guys from my band were in and he was at the show in like a beige suit. And <laughs> that was interesting. I was like, you know, I met him. I was introduced to him. I was like, okay. Uh, and then he had a record label and they put on a showcase and we played his showcase and flew down to Austin, Texas for South by Southwest and played this show that he sponsored and he was there. And what's crazy in retrospect is that I was thinking about this today is he bought our flights and I actually remember wanting to like upgrade my flight to like where I could get more legroom or something. It was like $30 more. And I was like, no, like that's too much. I don't want to like take advantage of this guy or something. Which in retrospect is like, yeah, I probably should have just gotten the extra legroom. Like, yeah, it's 30 bucks. By the way, the, the drug was Daraprim, medicine to treat a life-threatening parasitic infection. That's the one that he raised the price oh, for. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he's, he's scum. So anyways, yeah, he was at two of these gigs. I met him briefly. I do remember. I think, Vanessa, I think you, you told some people too, because I remember Kate McKinnon coming up to me <laughs> at like an SL after party. Her- she played him, right? Yeah. yeah, she played him. And she was like, Joan, I heard you know this. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, yeah, I, I kind of. I've met him a couple times in passing. And so basically, like I was introduced to him 
prior to all of this stuff in the media. And so I was just like, okay. Uh, when he was just a guy in a beige suit yeah. looking to sign a band. Looking to sign bands. And, if he only knew. Yeah, if I only knew. But I did get a kind of a weird vibe. Turns out America got a weird vibe. <laughs> Trust your vibes. <laughs> Trust, Trust your, your vibes. vibes. But the real question here is, <laughs> should we get Chuck Norris to punch him in the face? I don't know exactly how a petition like this would work. I guess if it gets enough signatures, then you go to Chuck Norris and you say, Chuck, we got <laughs> The it. issue is, he said whoever offers him the most money gets to punch him in the face. So there's like a monetary oh, right. element to this. So it's like, you'd have to almost then go to like another site, like a GoFundMe or something and get all, like, it's not just like a decision. Well, it's tough to say because it's not saying an, an amount. He's saying whoever offers him the most money gets to punch him in the face. So you can offer $5. And as long as no one else is offering $5, you should be allowed to punch him in the face. I see. So it's sort of like you could say like this petition is to keep other people from offering more money than Chuck Norris. Or it could be like, I want to amend this statement that Martin Shkreli made and be like, no matter who gets... It's tough. It's confusing. The other thing that's tough about it is like, this guy is going so hard after like hating Martin Shkreli, but he's also playing into Martin's hands by being like, I want to give Martin money so he'll get, you know what I mean? It's like, maybe the petition should more be like, he said, whoever will give him the most money gets to punch him. Mm -hmm. I think that like, we should sign the petition that Chuck Norris gets to punch him regardless of money. I think that's the phrase that's missing. Yeah, I feel like something has to be done in regards to just clarifying. (laughs) I think there should be an addendum to this uh, petition and it should be brought back up again. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. What you'll find with a lot of these petitions is a lot of these kinds of things aren't fully thought through. It's just some clarity in language. Honestly, I think it's a great idea. It has so much potential, but really, uh, what are we signing up for is really what I want to be sure of. Are we just making Martin yeah. Shkreli richer with like a punch? Yeah, exactly. Like I want to make sure that we're playing this game right. Yeah. Chuck Norris is also 82. Jonah, do you remember our Grandpa Jack really loved Walker, Texas Ranger? Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. I do remember that. Which I think is actually so sweet. And Billy Mouth Bass, he loves. <laughs> oh yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't? He's so thrilled by it. <laughs> All right, so that's our second one. Get Chuck Norris to punch Martin Shkreli in the face. So, and, and keep in mind, this is change.org. So some one was like, I want to see this happen. I'm going to upload a photo. I'm going to make someone put work into this. I mean, not a ton of work, but some work. Some work. Yeah. What's our third one? Okay. The third one is Super Bowl halftime show with Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) This one is made out to the National Football League, I believe. The world needs a Super Bowl halftime show that is full of fun, great music and spotlights. One of the most underrated artists of our generation. Weird Al Yankovic. He's a five-time Grammy award-winning artist. He is a star on the Walk of Fame. You don't have to worry about him making moms go crazy with his antics because his music is family-friendly. He does rap, rock, polka, folk, and punk rock. Weird Al really has something for everyone. Vote now to bring Weird Al to the Super Bowl LV. Now, I got to say this. Jonah and I both love Weird Al and honestly would consider ourselves friends with him and think he's the coolest. Yeah. Now, I find this to be slightly condescending towards Weird Al. I feel like people forgot the definition of underrated. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Especially it was like when you follow up saying he's won five Grammys, then you should stop, go back and delete underrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. He's like very beloved. I feel like this guy being like, you guys got to hear this guy Weird Al. It's like, uh... yeah, we're, we're, we're on board. <laughs> There's a Weird Al biopic coming out. I don't know if you guys heard yes. about this, but Daniel Radcliffe is playing right. him. So I think that this this guy making this petition must be very excited. To me, that's way cooler than him playing the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would. I want both. I want a world where I can have both of those things. You want both. Fair enough. I mean, I will say I came up pretty hard against this guy because I thought he was being condescending. But I think his intention was just to... He loves Weird Al, yeah. as we all do. Like, I, I think his intention was just to like be like, why hasn't he... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He wants him to be more famous, which I don't think is like the best thing to do for some artists. Like you don't because people don't seem to understand that fame is not the best thing in the world. It's like, yeah, if you have somebody who's beloved. Yeah. And you don't want them to get to the point of harassment of the like that super fame. Like that's it's fine so for people not to have that. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm I'm not sure the Super Bowl is a right 
you know, you also got to play to your audience, right? Like, it's like, what do you think? Is it, I don't know. I feel like the Super Bowl is a little more, I don't know, like a spectacle or something. Yeah, but like after a few lackluster ones, I want to, I want a fun one. Yeah, and I think he would, he would do a very fun show. Yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, he would be incredible. I mean, I guess part of me, and I guess football fans are going to come after me for this one, but <laughs> part of me is like, is he too good for? A halftime show. Like, I guess we've had some incredible people. He'd be up there with the greats. I, I take that back. But I just think, like, I hear what you're saying of, like, is his genre right for a halftime show? And I, I, I do think the answer is yes. So, actually, I went from thinking this guy, like, I wasn't 100% on board to kind of being like, he has a point. And I'm not the only one. This petition has 273 signatures. <laughs> yeah. Which is by far the most of any we <laughs> yeah. looked at today. No, you know, I am in agreement. He is actually would probably say too good. Like the Super Bowl should be the halftime show for a Weird Al show. That's where I am. Yes. 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 That's actually true. That's the petition I'm literally writing up right now. <laughs> yeah. I haven't watched the Super Bowl in I don't know how long. But if yeah, if it was a Weird Al concert and then during halftime, yeah. there was some football that I could skip, <laughs> I would watch it. Give me a three hour long Weird Al concert. And a 30-minute Super Bowl right in the middle. And I'm fine. Yeah. And I'll eat all my snacks, I guess, honestly, throughout the whole thing. But um, <laughs> <laughs> only reason I watch the Super Bowl. And full circle, because I'm in a fantasy football league with that. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> How's your team doing this year? Oh, it's not football season now, or is it? Well, Joan, I hate to break it to you, but we got second place this year. Wow. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. I'm in a football league that Taryn Killam started, and we won the first year, and every year my dad plays for me the entire time, and I try and pretend <laughs> that it's me playing, and absolutely no one in the league buys it. <laughs> These are very good picks. Yeah. I feel like when we had turned on the podcast, there was maybe some controversy going on between him and dad with the fancy football. Yeah. <laughs> I think my dad, our dad, I'll call him, because he is. <laughs> the league is like based on an app. Like some of the rules, I think dad is used to playing with like more old school. Mm-hmm. So I think there's been, yeah, some tension, but... <laughs> But when mom and dad have been out here before, we've gotten brunch with Taryn. Like, they've squashed it. <laughs> That's so great to hear. And I'm sure our listeners are really going to appreciate yeah. hearing that. I'm happy they get along for your sake. That's really helpful. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, Solomon, we have three petitions. Lunchables for adults. Chuck Norris punching Martin Schwell in the face. And Weird Al playing the Super Bowl. You can support one of these petitions. Which one are you going with? Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough to choose. I'm going to have to go with Weird Al at the Super Bowl. I think that's the one that speaks to me the most and also has the most signatures. And I'm very much, uh, I fall into peer pressure very easily. So <laughs> that's great. That's great. Vanessa, what's your, what's your pick? I also would pick Weird Al at the Super Bowl. I think that would be incredible. I will say this though. I really do think it would be funny for any one of us to get an adult size, quote unquote, lunchable, <laughs> bring it into like our place of work. <laughs> And just like try to see what happens and if anyone says anything. Because it does seem like that would be such a crazy thing to like just act normal and just eat in front of people. I agree with that too. If I could find like a discontinued squeeze it as well. just Yeah. And just don't say anything and see what people say. And they're going to have a lot to say is my prediction. <laughs> Jonah, what petition would you sign? I mean, I'm going to also go with Weird Al playing the Super Bowl. I mean, to me, that is the one that would actually care about the most. I don't want to see anyone really get punched in the face. I don't really want to eat a Lunchable, but Weird Al, that would be quite a show. That's something that would make me watch it for sure. Well, at least a halftime show. At least a halftime show. Although people don't like playing the halftime. Isn't it like hard to get people to play it? Like I feel like they can't get a lot of big artists and then Maroon 5 plays it or something. Because I don't think they pay, do they? They don't pay or something. Oh, is that true? Which is a very confusing part for me. Yeah, I think it's like they view it as like exposure or something where it's like, yeah, pretty sure this isn't UCB. It's a Super Bowl. Like maybe you should pay. I know Mary J. Didn't get paid, and that's as a crime. She didn't. No. Whoa. I think actually a lot of artists say no to it because of that, or because of other reasons. Not to slam Maroon Five, but I think you know Maroon Five probably would play anything. If you, I don't know. Whoa, Jonah, really coming? <laughs> yeah, I just call them out. I, I just think like you know when it comes to credibility or something. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? What? I'm just saying they're not a credible band. Everyone thinks. That. I just feel like you're talking to two Maroon Five fans now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I'm gonna get some serious some serious tweets that are like that was a great episode but you didn't need no, to no I'm there. generally gonna make a podcast against this podcast now 
<laughs> okay, if you want to defend Maroon 5, tweet at <laughs> No, Jonah, I respect that. I respect your take. This is a safe space, except for the people who actively listen and then write negative <laughs> stuff about it. Well, speaking of finding Solomon on social media and tweeting at him your support of Maroon 5, Solomon, where can people find you? <laughs> um, I'm Solomon Giorgio all across the board. That's my website. That's my Instagram. If there's another one, please take them down for me. Yeah, I'm the one and only so far. Incredible. Oh my gosh. And Salman, I wanted to actually find a change.org petition oriented towards you. And there were actually many wanting a second season of High Fidelity. (laughs) We'll see what happens. You have to bring that up with Hulu because I didn't do it. I know. We'll see. We'll see. Enough people sign this petition. You never know. Go to (laughs) (laughs) change.org. Listeners. And check out Salman's new podcast. Yes, please do. I'm very excited for it. And it's been fun gossiping with people I know. That's so great. Where else can people find you? Yeah, I'll also be at the Acme Comedy Comes. I don't know when this comes out, but uh, April 13th through 16th, I will be at the Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis, Minnesota, performing stand-up. I do that sometimes. Incredible. Have you been doing stand-up consistently through the pandemic? No, no, no. I couldn't do the Zoom shows. I can't, like, one, like the first time I did a Zoom set for like 10 minutes and I slowly closed my laptop afterwards. I was like, this is just, this is heartbreaking. I haven't done stand-up in probably three years. Like, I don't do it a lot, but I haven't done it in so long that I'm like scared. <laughs> feels scary. Yeah, I was very rusty. I'm still kind of rusty. Like I'm trying to build an hour and I'm like, oh, it's it's not. It's not there yet. Incredible. And I'm sure it will be there by April 13th through 16th. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll just bring Sorry. up old jokes. I'm not going to try anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. Well, thank you so much, Solomon, for being here. Thank you to everyone who listened. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Do We Get Weird where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural milestones like squeeze it. <laughs> Thank you again, Solomon. This Thank is a blast. Yeah, this is so fun. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.